today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Because of the greatness of who God is, not was back in 440 BC, but of who God is, God will not and He does not accept half-hearted, irreverent, and insignificant worship. If there's one overriding, really clear, sobering direction that Malachi brings here, is, is that our God demands... He demands it, that we worship Him with a whole heart, or He will not receive our worship at all. Have you ever felt guilty about not giving someone you care about your whole undivided attention in the past? Or maybe they did something remarkable for you only for you to show them insincere or half-hearted gratitude. Chances are we are all guilty of this, and especially towards God. In today's message, Pastor David will teach you the core message in the book of Malachi. In his study, you'll learn the importance of worshiping God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, with sincerity and reverence. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Malachi chapter 1, as he continues his message, Having the Last Word. Throughout the city, homes had been built and commerce was being restored so that when Nehemiah got there, there were already tradesmen in place. There were already homes that were in the area. As life began to take shape within the city, the temple worship, because now the temple was done, the temple worship once again became that central focus of the Jewish life. And following the return from exile, the people of Israel never again practiced idol or pagan worship. God got that out of their system, okay? Prior to that, remember, that's one of the reasons why God took them. They began worshiping all these pagan idols, brought all kinds of perversions into the temple. Never again did they get back to that. So again, just part of where things were. The worship activity all centered around the temple and the the synagogues that were located around the country by that time. Now, one would have thought that Israel finally got it right. They had finally come to the point of, 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 of that spiritual surrender. I had been disciplined very strongly by God. And now God has brought me back to this place of inheritance, this place of blessing. Lord, I've learned my lesson. I'm now fully submitted to you. And Lord, let's just go 100%. Now I want to go 120% with you. You would have thought that they would have got it all right at that point, that they would be really with true humility. They'd be focusing on the will of God, the plan of God, the law of God. And one would have thought that, but they would have got it completely and absolutely wrong because that's not where they were. 
They came back in the midst of this physical restoration. There was still this spiritual deadness that was there. It was an emptiness of of worship. There was an emptiness of the practice of religion. It appeared to be right on the outside. But to quote Jesus, in Jesus' time, it was still there. And Jesus says, you're nothing but a bunch of whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Well, beloved, the vast majority of the nation was that way, even after coming back from exile, even after the rebuilding of the temple and the wall and getting the city back. Oh, they were going through the motions, but there was no real heart, no real passion for the things of God. They were neglecting true devotion. They had a hard and a cold heart. They were void of any kind of passion for God. And literally, they were filled with disobedience within their life. It's that scene that the last book of the Old Testament is written. The book of Malachi. Okay, so now you know where I'm going. So now, hang a left, go back to Malachi. Okay, the book of Malachi is written actually to draw attention to the people of Israel uh, and, and about their emptiness, about their continual walk of denial of, of, of any wrong. Again, uh, they were just going through the motion. They, they were having their, their meetings. They were doing their rituals. But there was no real connection with God. And that's why the Lord spoke to Malachi to, again, speak to the people. It was written, you need to understand that it was written, Malachi was written about the same time that Nehemiah was still, again, there in Israel, trying to bring a a, a spiritual restoration, even as they were uh, there, they had finished up the wall at this point in time, but Nehemiah was still working for a spiritual, a moral restoration of the people. And Malachi points out very clearly the lethargic, this meaningless acts of worship that's going on within the people of Israel. And the, the sinful life choices that these people were making, including the, the choices that their priests were doing. And again, God had disciplined them for their apostasy, for their continued sinfulness. Now they're right back at it again. Oh, we're not doing idol worship. Oh, we're not worshiping the pagan gods. No, the reality is you're not even worshiping the real God. You're just going through for your own pleasure, for your own good. We're looking at a time frame here that Malachi was written about 440 BC. So about 440 years or so before the birth of Christ. Four short chapters. If you add them all up real quick, you realize it's 55 verses. And nearly each one of them is either speaking about the failure of the people, or it's speaking about God's discipline, or it's speaking about, but God is, will restore you if you come back to him through that. We, we see the phrase, the Lord of hosts, in 24 of these 55 verses. 24, that's 44%. I mean, it's huge. The Lord of hosts. Again, speaking about the, the, the strength, the might of, of God Almighty. Malachi, as he writes here, and as the Spirit of God is giving them these words, he's trying to drive home the, to this stiff-necked, this obstinate people that God is truly, truly sovereign. He's sovereign over all, and he will not accept half-hearted, irreverent, 
an insignificant worship. Did you catch that? Because of the greatness of who God is, not was back in 440 BC, but of who God is, God will not and he does not accept half-hearted, irreverent, and insignificant worship. If there's one overriding, really clear, sobering direction that Malachi brings here, is is that our God demands, he demands it, that we worship him with a whole heart, or he will not receive our worship at all. I don't know about you, but when I was processing all of this, uh, as getting ready for this study, I thought, man, that's exactly what he's saying here. Matter of fact, we'll look at it <laughs> probably not tonight. Did you move that clock ahead or something? Uh, we'll, we'll see in Malachi, it comes to one point, he says, hey, somebody go lock the doors, turn out the lights. This is just a waste of time. And beloved, that, the burden on my own heart is if he said that to the people of Israel worshiping there in the temple, I wonder how often he says that to the churches of today. Half-hearted, irrelevant, irreverent, insignificant worship. He says, I'm not going to take a half a heart. It's all or it's nothing at all. It's because he is God and he can command, he can demand those things. Malachi brings the charges to the people in the form of some, you can call them imagined questions. He'll go through here about eight different ones. Says, you say yada, yada, yada. Or you ask this question. You don't know why. Well, I'm going to give you the answer. Again, it's, a, it's, a, it's that form of learning where you, you ask the questions and as you dwell into that question, it brings out just a deeper understanding of the situation. Again, to kind of do away with any kind of false presumptions that the, 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 the listener might have about where their standing is. Let's get into it just, just a little bit this evening. Chapter one of Malachi, verse one, really kind of sets the whole mood for the thing when you look at what he writes. He said, the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. We don't know a whole lot about Malachi other than that. His, his name means a messenger or my messenger. Some have uh, presupposed or guessed about the fact that maybe Malachi wasn't a real guy, maybe uh, or a real name of someone. This was just the messenger God might have used, an individual, an angel, whatever. I, I don't know why we have to stretch that far. Malachi, I think it's a guy by the name of Malachi that the Lord spoke through. We don't need to know his history, it's, but we really need to understand what he's speaking, what God is speaking through him. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel. You know what? The, the word of the Lord is, is a burden to me only when it's saying something to me that I don't want to hear. You know, when, he, when he's talking about all the blessings, man, that's not a burden. That's great. But when all of a sudden I read it and I said, oh, man. He's talking about me in that passage. And suddenly it becomes something that's very weighty. And, and so I, I believe that's what, what uh, uh, Malachi is speaking here. Man, this is the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel. And then he begins with the first of these eight charges. He, uh, you know, in, in essence, he says, God says 
that he loves you, and yet you say you don't really see in, in what way that he's shown any kind of love. I have, verse two, I have loved you, says the Lord, and yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Can you imagine uh, today uh, someone who's been a believer for any period of time, and you come up to him and says, hey, did you know that God loves you? I don't know. I don't know if he does or not. I don't really, I don't really see his love. You know, I've had a tough day and my boss yelled at me. The kids are horrible and man, the bank account stretched. I, I don't know if he really loves me or not. What would you say to that, that one who is a believer that suddenly they've kind of got to that point in their life? One of the best things you can do, not only for an individual that you're talking to, but when you speak to that gal or that guy that's in the mirror that's saying those same things, you start repeating what God has done in the past. You know, but I've seen God. I've heard God. I've experienced his presence. It may be dry right now. It may be silent right now. It may be dark right now but I've experienced God. I've seen him work in my life and in others' lives. And that's exactly what Malachi does here. He says, was it not Esau's, uh, Esau, was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? And yet Jacob, who is, again, the father of Israel, Jacob, the, the, the father of the 12 tribes, he says, uh, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. I've laid waste his mountain and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. And even though Edom, that's the land of Esau, has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return, we'll build the desolate places. Thus the Lord of hosts says, well, they might build. I'm going to throw it down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see and you shall say, the Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. He says, what do you mean I don't love you? Don't you realize by now all that I've done to get you even to this point? I mean, even the discipline. It's a loving father that disciplines his children. Oh, man, I grieve for the generation of, of, of children today whose parents never give them discipline. Oh, just let, oh, isn't little Johnny so funny? He's over there and he's writing all over the walls. Or isn't little Susie so cute? She just yelled at mommy and, and then took a swing at her. Isn't that so hilarious? Yeah, no, it's not. It's rebellious and a loving father disciplines their children. That's just a little sidebar. That was for free for, you know, anybody that might need to hear it this tonight. Malachi's next charge against the people comes in a question that's actually found at the end of verse 6 and kind of a similar question that's found in verse 7. Uh, verse 6, the Lord speaks, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? If I am the master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts to you, priests who despise my name. And yet you say, well, in what way have we despised your name? Well, he just told them, because you haven't honored me. You call me Lord, you call me master. 
let's see, I remember. Oh, yes, it was Jesus that said that very thing. You call me Lord, and yet you don't do the things that I tell you to do. So you see the, the significance of what Malachi is writing to the children of Israel in this day. Man, that's, that's right for us here today too. Because again, that same word comes to us today. Why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things that I want you to do or you do the things that I don't want you to do? Somebody's confused with the understanding of the meaning of Lord and Master. The Lord says through Malachi here, you're despising my name by the actions that you're taking. In verse 7, he gives kind of a very similar thing. He says, you offer, or you offer defiled food on my altar. But then you say, well, what do you mean? Defiled? What way is it defiled? How have we defiled you? And then by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. They're Temple sacrifices, they'd, they'd become this act of convenience rather than sacrifice. Again, it goes back to what, man, the Lord has just laid on my heart over the last month or so, this, this faith of convenience rather than true faith. And Israel was, again, expressing this faith of convenience at this point in time. They were bringing to the altar these, quote-unquote, sacrifices that were blind and lame and sick. Malachi, in essence, he's asking, he asked them here. He says, do you think your governor would accept that type of a tribute? Would he accept your gift very favorably? And, of course, the answer of the people should have been a resounding, oh, no, no, now I, now I see what you mean, Malachi. Now I understand. No, no, I know that he wouldn't. So maybe I ought to be doing a much better job in what I sacrifice to the Lord. We've got time. I'll give you a little side story here. Sometimes people are, are, people are funny, okay? People are funny. And we've had through the years, you know, people that have, in essence, says, well, pastor, this is broken. Could the church use it? <laughs> Think about that for a moment. You know, you think, why don't you say, I just bought this new, Pastor, and I'd like to donate it to the church. This fan, though it's a five-blade fan, it's only got three of the blades, but maybe the church could use it. Honest and true, I mean, you know, through the years, these guys, uh, there, was, there was a joke. We had missionary friends through the years, and one, one of them used to joke about the fact of uh, the people that had used a tea bag only once. And then they'd save it and send it off to the missionaries because surely you can get another cup of tea out of that. I don't know how true it is, but, uh, you know, it's kind of that mindset. But it's that kind of a situation of, of, of setting before the Lord blind and lame and, and sick animals. He says, no, you're, you're to give the best of what you have to the Lord, the best. I was in a discussion just uh, two weeks ago with somebody that's within the fellowship. They're, they're, uh, I hesitate to even say they're not here tonight because then people start saying, okay, who's not here? Uh, <laughs> but they, 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 they in essence said, you know, uh, I've really struggled whether my tithe should be out of the gross or out of the net. 
And let's face it, you know, people struggle with those kinds of things. And the, the interesting thing is it shouldn't be a struggle at all. Do you give God the leftovers or do you give him the first fruits? Do, do you give more to the, the government or to the Lord? Uh, it's it just, for me, and you know, Todd and I, since the, the beginning of our, our marriage together, that, that's never been a question. And yet, when I read passages like this, and I understand people will struggle. I just can't give the best. We, we need the best. I'll give the leftovers to God. And I think, is that what you want from God? Also, do you want the leftover blessings or do you want God to bless? Real quick, and then we're going to close with this one. Look at verse 10. The Lord says, in essence, he's sick of their empty, their meaningless worship. Look what he says in verse 10. Who is there even among you who would turn out the lights and shut the doors? so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you. Jesus said those sobering words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And that's after they said, hey, didn't we do this for you? Didn't we do that for you? Didn't we do this great thing for you? And all these kinds of things. And Jesus' words to them at the end of the day was, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Never knew you. I, I don't know why, other than just this feeling of the urgency of the Lord over the last several weeks, maybe it's been a couple of months now, this thing that I, I feel like I've just been hammering it over and over and over again about being real in our faith and about not being half-hearted, not put on the churchy face, but the reality of Christ 24-7 in us. Because, beloved, if he isn't literally 24-7, and if we put on our, our Christian faces as we come through the doors, then we're no better than what Israel was doing. We are half-hearted in our worship. You might say, oh, no, Pastor, I, I really get into the worship time. I really love these songs. That's not what I'm talking about. Our lives need to be lives of worship. We are creatures of worship. Everything that I do should be to the glory and to the honor of God. If I drive a truck or drive nails, if I'm sitting at a desk or babysitting children, whatever my hands find to do, do it as unto the Lord. It is your spiritual work that, again, you lift up to the Lord. Oh, the Puritans had it right when they said that the very nature of our work, there should not be a secular thing and a spiritual thing. Because for the believer, for you and I, it's all spiritual. It's all unto the Lord. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. 
Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.